You're listening to the Volwalk Sports Talk Show, presented by Rocky Top Sports Nation. What's up, Ball Nation? Welcome in. Uh, if you're watching, you can probably see. If not, you're you're going to hear it in just a second. Um, we are honored and uh, very humbled to welcome uh, a Vol legend, um, somebody that I remember watching. I, I didn't tell him this before, but I remember um, being a teenager and jumping over the couch, pretending that it was the pile, jumping in the end zone. And uh, I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm Jabari. Um, so we, we have got... Jabari Juice Davis here today to uh, to kick off our next week after Florida. We need something. Um, so uh, thanks so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. So um, we're, we're going to start off. We're going to talk to him a little bit. we got some questions for him, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the team's effort last week and loss against Florida, uh, preview a little bit of Missouri, and uh, we'll get on to some of the um, normal things we do um, on a weekly basis. So uh, we've got Maddie here. Uh, we'll see if Trey is able to join us. I know he's had a tough time. Uh, his grandmother had passed away and, uh, and things, and uh, last week he, I think, had a wreck, and, and it's just been a little wild. So we'll see if he's able to get here. But um, – I'll go ahead and turn it to Maddie. Maddie, you got any questions that you'd like to ask the man? Yeah. Um, so one so far from what you've seen with our running back room, compared to what we had last year, for example, what do you like? What where do you see a difference in positives and negatives? Well, uh, I see some potential um uh, this past weekend um i saw a lot of good good signs i saw uh i mean the first it's always exciting to see a running back make a huge play in gainesville and be able to score the first points and uh, get some momentum and shut that crowd up a little bit so i was very excited i was very excited and fired up to see evans have that big play on that screen pass uh, from this past weekend, I did see some running backs that uh, ran really, really hard, you know, broke a lot of tackles, uh, ran through people, kept the chains moving. Um, I wanted to see a few bigger runs, but um, I gave the backs like a B minus. Um, I think we can improve a little bit more in our pass protection and, uh, you know, if we can stay a lot healthier. Um, I know small has been banged up a little bit. And um, I know when it comes crunch time in the SEC schedule, which we're playing in right now, you know, it's going to be a lot of pounding that these boys are going to be taking. And we need guys that are going to be healthy enough to keep that run game being an impact for this football team. So uh, we have the talent from the first game. I was uh, very excited to see uh, Evans and Small really have successful breakout games and they kind of, uh, you know, been keeping up the pace. I think it can be a very good strength for our football team. I know in the passing game, we still have some inconsistency a little, little bit, 
when it comes to pass protection. But I think the running game can be a really big part of this football team. Most importantly, we just got to keep guys healthy. And if we can do that, I think we'll, you know, we may, you know, we might have two backs that can rush, you know, for seven, 800 yards apiece, or just have one guy that could break over a thousand. Yeah, very true, very true. Another one I've got, you were 247's number nine recruit coming out of high school. What was it like being recruited back then compared to what it's like now? Any big differences, especially with NLI being out? <laughs> back then, you know, we didn't have media, so we didn't have to worry about fans stalking us and <laughs> begging us to come to schools like you have on social media now. <laughs> no, we did get mail. You know, email was out. Everybody had a Yahoo email address or uh, uh, you know AOL email address back then. So some fans would get your email address and they would send stuff to you. But back then, uh, you know, it was I said kids really cared more about the game back then. Now it's all about attention. I feel you know with social media and with guys more concerned about their top eight than they are being the best player on their football team. Um, I think it kind of watered down the recruiting game um, a little bit, but it was a big honor, you know, to be recruited that high, uh, coming from the state of Georgia, playing for a really good football program, playing against some really good coaches. Uh, I mean, those days were Really, really fun. I still talk about it to this day with my kids when they look at my uh, football trophies and magazine articles and things that I have in my uh, photo albums and things like that. So it's, it's, it's always a, a fun experience. And I uh, wish my kids, you know, I do have some young football players that I'm raising right now. So hopefully they can live in my shoes and have that same opportunity that I had. Yeah, I definitely need to see them in orange. So I got to be just like you. <laughs> My last question for you to follow that up. What is your favorite memory at UT playing? Uh, my favorite memory would probably be, uh, you know, I had some big games, uh, you know, the Florida games, 2003, uh, Arkansas, 2002. Uh, had a really big game versus Duke in 2003 as well. Um that was individual performance, but I always tell people all the time when they, when they ask this question, uh, I think my biggest and best memory would probably be playing on that 2001 football team, just being around all that greatness that we had, just from leadership uh, to guys that uh, just mentally were just warriors on and off the field and guys that had just won a national championship not too long, you know, a few years ago before I got there. So we was, I mean, I was a sponge that year, man. I really learned a lot on the game of life, on the game of football and how to be a professional and um, how to really, you know, just just be blessed and honored to be in their presence. You know, I still use a lot of those skills I learned from those guys like Travis Stevens, John Henderson, Casey Clawson. Um, I mean, I can go on and on and on how many great, guys we had on that 2001 team so that team just just being on that team really helped me out in life that's awesome thank you so much no problem i still remember that uh you're talking about the uh six overtime arkansas game yeah 
That was – I still remember that game. I think – I was trying to find – I think you were like, yeah, 135 yards on the ground. Um, just uh, – Three touchdowns. Yeah. Three touchdowns. Man, that game didn't end. That game, I didn't walk out of Neyland Stadium till like 1 o'clock in the morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> the game started at like 7 or 8. And, you know, normally – a seven o'clock game we in around about 10 you know with with commercials and tv timeouts and things like that 10 10 15 so you're going into six overtimes that's another hour you know yeah. 15 20 minutes so by the time we won the game got back in the locker room celebrated showered got dressed did media stuff uh, all the interviews, everybody want to talk to you. Get outside the tunnel, take pictures with the fans, sign autographs, uh, you know, shake hands with other people, blah, blah, blah. I didn't leave kneeling to like one something. Then these, then, then, it, then everybody on the team wanted to go out and hang out. <laughs> Celebrate the big win. I'm like, man, for, I'm ready to go to bed, dude. I didn't want to. So, yeah, but I ended up going out, you know, back then, that's when the strip was was actually, yeah. you know, the <laughs> thing to do. And everything stayed open about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, when you're 19, 20, you have a ton of energy at the football game. So we had a great time. And that was one of the best moments I've had as well. Uh, that, that game goes into one of the best memories also some of the big wins on the road that we had, man, Notre Dame in 01, LSU at home in 2001, Miami 2003 in Miami. Um, man, it can go on and on, man. We had, we had a lot of great road wins back in the era. Yeah, I remember the the Witten catch and just just walking yeah, the Witten, own finger up, then it goes to the close. It's like it runs. The, uh, <laughs> The Tennessee-Michigan game, oh, uh, Citrus Bowl. Yep. Witten, you know, with the long touchdown ball. Yep. I remember that. And that was another big, big road win that a lot of people don't realize. I mean, we, you know, we handled business on the road back then. That's something we got to get back to, uh, handling business on the road and at home. But, uh, um, you know, Neyland's, Neyland's been rocking uh, even when we're down, you know, it's, it's a, it's, I can only imagine what it'll be like when we actually, you know, start getting the W's back on the board, how that fan base is going to be. Um, it's telling to lose to Georgia State and, and uh, BYU and, or Georgia State still have fans back. Um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I was looking the other day at, at 247 and, you know, still ranked in the top 200 all-time um, recruits, one of the one of the highest running back recruits, like top 20 um, of all time. Um I was going to ask you, I saw uh, a post and um, that you had the other day that, that I had kind of interacted with, um, you know, talking about, you know, kind of players being a little soft when it comes to getting, you know, harsh criticism with coach. We saw that with, with Oregon, you know, the player, uh, you know, gets a first down and, you know, starts spinning the ball, gets the penalty. Uh, Cristobal, I think, just lights into him and, and you know, looking him, you know, dead face, right in the eyes, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know, and, and, and Twitter just seemed to have a time 
with people saying, yeah. you know, this is the problem with, with sports today. This coaches don't need to act like this and blow up on their players. And, you know, we've seen, I don't know who it was a few weeks ago who grabbed their player was doing different stuff and like throwing them and stuff. And, you know, there's, there's a line that, that can be crossed, but, um, you know, what do you feel about hard coaching? And when you were at UT, you know, I know you had some, some great position coaches, some great leaders around there. Um, you know, of course, of course, Coach Fulmer and, and, and different guys. But um, how is the coaching like for you um, as a college kid? And, and how does that how is that different from today? Uh, well, you know, discipline is so important in everything that you do, uh, you know, and, and going back to that clip that you mentioned, I'm a guy I always believe that when a coach or when somebody is on your ass and in your face and criticizing you can, you know, in a, in a positive way, not, you know, attacking you, not beating on you, but just an old fashioned, but chewing that's somebody that really cares and loves what you do, you know, be afraid of a coach that lets you make a mistake and don't say nothing at all. Be afraid of somebody that you love that will let you go to school and fail, let you go out and do things you have no business doing, let you come in, not do your work, not go to class, be disrespectful to people. And if they don't say anything, that's somebody that really doesn't give a damn about you. So in this world that we live in now, man, you got to, I mean, you got to appreciate people when they get on to you because we live in a world where people will just literally watch you kiss your life goodbye and watch you fail and make bad choices and don't say nothing. So when you have a coach like that, that is an honor. That is a privilege that somebody that really cares about you and is going to hold you accountable. So when I see that, I see accountability. That's the way I was coached. That's the way I was raised. You know, uh, when you made a mistake, when you cost your team, you're going to get your butt lit up on the sideline. So you will know never to do that again. It's not accepted here. We don't stand for that. That's not how we coach our kids. And that will help. I mean, that's going to help us lose football games. So if you want to continue to do that, then you don't need to be a part of the football team. And I guarantee you that kid will never make another gesture or showboat again, because I'm pretty sure he took them out. You know, he took them out of the game, put them on the bench for a little bit, let them calm down and let you know, man, that's unacceptable. So, you know, we, we have gotten soft. It's not the coaches, it's the parents, you know? So uh, it's how we raise our kids. And it's now, you know, you get in trouble anytime you do anything and you get, and you're passionate about it. If you yell at some, if you, you know, if you, if you yell at a kid, you do this, you do that people, oh, he's attacking them, you know, holding somebody accountable and being passionate about it is not an attack on you personally. And a lot of these kids have to understand that I'm a football coach. So I always tell my athletes that I'm yelling at you and I'm holding you accountable. You know, I'm not going to criticize you're, you know, don't let me criticize your effort. Now, when you make a mistake, okay, I'm gonna criticize you because I know that you're doing, I mean, that was that was something that you should, you know, that you shouldn't be doing that you need to correct. You know, you made a mistake, this and that, but I'm gonna hold you accountable and let you know, you don't need to do that. 
All right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull a uh dude, what's the coach from Varsity Blues? <laughs> when he put when he pull out the whistle and hit you and grab your face mask. Cause I feel like I don't need to do all of that. You know, old school coaches, I've been done like that. I'm pretty sure a lot of older guys had that type of coaching, but I'm not that type of coach. You can get your message across verbally, but sometimes you gotta light a fire in somebody's butt and let them know. That is unacceptable, but it's just a soft culture that we live in right now, man. It's the parents. Um, you know, you can't coach kids tough anymore. I've been on football staffs where you had parents complaining about yelling at kids. You had parents com complaining about we're doing too many tackling drills. We got parents complaining about this, complaining about that. And they don't even let you know. They just post it in a group on Facebook. <laughs> and won't even talk to you about it. Like, if you got an issue with us or the coaches, just let us know. Don't don't put it on social media and talk to your child. So that's just the era that we live in right now, man. If if somebody posted on that tweet that I re retweeted, if it was Nick Saban, nobody would have said anything. No. Typical Saban, good job, coach. Uh, but when it's everybody else, Oh, that's a terrible job. He's embarrassing the player. Uh, there's no need for this. He's making them feel less than a man and blah, 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 blah. But Nick Saban can do it, and everybody just claps. Look at Saban. He cares about his players. He's he's such a great coach. He's passionate about his – it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember hearing a story about Bob Knight, you know, before he uh, went to Army. You know, he was coaching in a high school, and, and he uh, – he said, you boys don't want the starting five enough. So he set five basketballs at half court and put 15 guys in the room, locked the gym doors, and stood out there and said, first five that can hand me a basketball gets to start. And it was an all-out war, people. I mean, he's like, anything's allowed. I mean, wow. uh, you know, but that's, that may be crossing the line. But, I mean, there, you know, that, you know, time, times are different. If he did that today, uh, he, he, you know, who yeah. What would, what would happen? <laughs> um, you know, and, and you talking about your, your coaching experience and, and uh, you know, the way that you were coached. I know that um, in the past, and, and I know COVID is, you know, may have played a factor recently, um, but I know you, you've made a great impact with, um, you know, doing your, your camp. Um, you know, the legends of Tennessee having a lot of guys that, that have, have, uh, you know, played for the balls and, and had made an impact. And, uh, you know, you've had different things throughout the Smoky Mountains and different football camps that you've, you know, helped out and, and sponsored. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and you know, kind of in, in reading your mission, talking about, you know, learning fundamentals at an early age, but also one of the things that caught my eye was we believe that children learn the fundamentals of life at an early age. And, and I think, I think that's, that goes a long way, not right. just saying, we're going to come out here. We're going to teach you how to play football, but teach them how to be, you know, good young men and, and young women. I'm, you know, I'm sure there's probably girls that, that want to go there and, and learn too. Um, you do different trainings and stuff like that, building leadership skills, teamwork skills, character skills, everything you need to succeed in life. And um, I just think that's, that's awesome. So uh, what has been, you know, your impact with that? Um, what led you to start this and, and how is it? I mean, 
you probably don't even have to say we know it's gone well because I've heard a lot of people talk about it. But from your point of view, how, how have you seen that uh, make an impactful difference on, on these kids? Good question, man. Uh, we've seen it make a huge impact over the last uh, three seasons. This was year four with the camp organization uh, with the Legends of Tennessee, man. We probably had close to 4,000 kids in four years being able to put a smile on kids' faces, teaching the game of football, teaching the game of life, teaching them about Tennessee football, teaching them about some of the some of the greatness uh, eras of Tennessee football, because every coach uh, was a part of an era that was really phenomenal, that really built us into the, you know, the 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 historic Tennessee football tradition that we all read about and that we all love today. So uh, the whole thing started, man, in 2018. I wanted to do a camp where we, as former Vols, can get back in the community and teach kids everything that we learned from the game of football and from the game of life. Um, I'm a youth football coach, so I'm passionate about the youth. I coach high school football and I coach and I coached middle school before, but it's something different when you're working with kids and the youth because from that age of six to like 13, 14, kids are just sponges. So that's the foundation age. So wanted to do something catered to those kids so they can soak up all that knowledge and all their wisdom so they can prepare them for greatness when they get to high school. And why not learn those skills from Tennessee guys? that were heroes inside of that stadium that you uh, dream of playing in one day. So I wanted to give the Tennessee youth an opportunity to learn all the quality skills and drills of what it takes to be a great football player in the state and what it takes to play at that university one day. A lot of these kids have dreams and aspirations of putting on the orange and white and running out that tunnel, out that big pretty T, but they don't have a plan to get there. So. You know, we just wanted to put together a plan and give back and give these kids all the education that they can and understand that football is just a platform. It is not your life. And if you want to be successful one day, these are rules and regulations that you got to go by, you know, off the field, in the classroom, in the community, at home. And if you follow that path, man, one day, you know, maybe God will bless you so you can live out that dream. But if it doesn't happen, man, keep playing this game at a high level. Keep being a great kid with high character. Keep busting your butt in that classroom as well as on the field. And this game could take you a lot of great places. So that was the whole reason for designing this camp, uh, just to get former Vols back together. You know, we don't really spend a lot of time with one another like we need to. And, and, and over the last couple of years, man, we've had a few former players that have passed away most recently. We lost, you know, our, our captain, one of my good friends, Paris Harrelson. Uh, he passed away two weeks ago. We're still in pain over his loss from leaving us in an early age. And some of the former guys that coach uh, with us as well have lost great teammates. So it's an opportunity for us to put back on some orange and white and um, get out in the community and help these kids and teach these kids everything that we learned to be successful athletes and successful people. So we travel all over the state because we know it is orange blood not just in East Tennessee, it's all over this great state. So we travel to as many cities as we can and try to give back and try to team up with other local nonprofit organizations to uh, help them help kids in that community as well. So we are a nonprofit 501c3. If any 
Athens are interested in volunteering or sponsoring a camp, uh, contact us at legendsoftennessee.org. Go to that email. Send us an email. We love to have as many help um, as we can. You know, we get everybody involved, any business owners, any businesses, any volunteers, teenagers, anybody that would love to come and be a part of the camp. Uh, you are welcome. You know, this is not just our camp. To me, it's the state of Tennessee's camp. You know, as a Tennessee volunteer, I want my kids around Tennessee people. You know, that's just how I feel. Um, you know, nobody can teach my kids better than a guy that's already lived in there, you know, that's already, you know, been in their shoes that they're trying to get to. So I get tired of seeing kids go to all these crazy camps. I'll see kids, you know, going to an Oregon camp. Like, dude, you're in, you're in Knoxville. What you doing going to an Oregon camp or this and that? You know, you need to be going to a Tennessee camp. So I wanted to do that also just to make sure that we, you know, uh, help our kids. You know, every kid I feel in this state that plays the game of football at a youth level is, you know, is a kid that we can save one day from going to LSU or going to Florida <laughs> or going to schools like that if they have opportunities. And, man, you realize a lot of these kids, um, you know, we've been doing a camp four years and we already have kids that are in high school that are getting opportunities to play at the next level. And they were like, man, you know, I, ne I never really knew that Tennessee was that good until I came to camp and I learned the history of the Tennessee's greatness in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. And um, maybe I could change that one day. So it's also a, you know, like I said, it, it can help get kids' minds switch from going to these other different schools if they get that opportunity as well. But most importantly, it's all about teaching the game of life and the game of football to these, you know, to the young generation. I don't, I don't know whether to tear up or run through a brick wall, but yeah. it's got me fired <laughs> up. Inky might need to move out of the way. We, we got, yeah. we got the new motivation speaker right there. Uh, Thank oh. you. Well, I do that a lot, man. You know, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the, you know, the main director. So I got to do what I'm doing tonight with y'all. I have to do that on my board. So when I'm speaking to different potential sponsors or people that want to get involved in what we got going on with COVID now, a lot of the meetings that I do with business owners are on Zoom. So I have to do my pitch and do my mission and <laughs> do all of that type of stuff to make it sound real good. So I do this a lot. Yes, I do this a lot. But I ain't on Inky's level yet. <laughs> Well, and uh, we, we kind of hit earlier a little bit on the, you know, the Tennessee-Florida game, and we'll get, you know, kind of current and talk a little bit about the keys to, to next week's game. Um, we, we head uh, head down to Missouri, um, and, uh, you know, both teams coming off losses, uh, both teams two and two, uh, got two wins against two, kind of similar right now. Um, you know, we, we both beaten teams we should. One was a little closer than maybe we, we wanted with Bowling Green, though, you know, yeah. putting up that. Uh, Missouri started off the season just beating Central Michigan by 10, um, you know, and, and they, they killed uh, Southeast Missouri State as they should have. We, you know, we, we killed Tennessee Tech, but, you know, lost – Lost in the end to Kentucky as, as you know, we lost to, to Pitt. And last week, um, you know, they 
had a heartbreaker in overtime against Boston College, dropped a game 41-34. So um, Missouri's coming into this game with, um, you know, a lot of uh, – a lot of passing yards and a lot more than, you know, we've, we've had and we've seen, um, but we have, you know, tended to, you know, kind of lean a little bit on the run and, and do some different things. Um, but uh, coming in with, you know, 1200 yards, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions, um, you know, 417 yards on the ground by their leader. Um, you know, right now we've got Missouri uh, is a three point favorite um, at home. I was telling somebody the other day, I bet that would be flipped if it was at Neyland because um, it's so close there. Um, it, it really is a, a pick them. The over-under is 65. Uh, you know, I, I probably think there'll be more points than that scored. But um, you know, what, what do you think are some you – know, what are you most excited to see or, or hopeful for? And um, how do you see this, this game kind of playing out? It's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Um, so I don't know how much of a factor Missouri's crowd is really going to be um, in this game, but obviously we've got some injuries. So how do you see this this game playing out? What are some things that Tennessee is going to have to do to, you know, get back in the win column? God, those 12 o'clock kickoffs, man, that is brutal. <laughs> uh, again, like that is, come on, man, give us a life. It's like soon on Saturdays, most people wake up at 10, 11. You got ready for a game. Like, but uh, I think it's an opportunity for us to build a little bit from Florida. Uh, we've had a lot of, you know, from the Florida game, man, there was a lot of good notes, a few bad notes, more good than bad. Uh, I definitely think this game is an indicator of, you know, of what our football team will be like these, I, I, I would say the rest of the season, uh, this game is bigger than the Florida game when it comes to making a, a bowl bid. I think uh, this weekend will determine it if we're all buying bowl tickets at the end of the season. Uh, because after this game, it don't get no easier. You know, uh, you know we got a few little games, but other than that, I think if we want to get the six wins, we got to come out and we got to make a statement and we got to do Missouri like how we did them last year. Uh, we can't get caught up in what's going on with the media, what spread is, what they're predicting the score is. We got to come out like we came out in the first half against Florida and we got to make adjustments if we need to make adjustments. But if we could come out and look like that team against Florida that first half with that excitement, with that passion, with that energy striking early, everybody putting everything together and playing lights out. I think, you know, we can put up maybe 14, 17 points on top of Missouri and uh, leave Missouri coming back here, you know, with a lot of momentum going into SEC play again. So it's a big ball game for us. You know, you got to look at this weekend as a game that's going to be the momentum of the season. You know, do you want to go to a bowl bid or not? If you're a senior, what are your legacy? I mean, you know, what is your legacy going to be? A guy that helped change the state of the program or somebody that just, you know, put on the jersey and just did whatever you could do to help this team win games. But if you want to be a culture changer, if you want to leave out with a legacy to help Coach Heifel get to where he needs to be, I think you come out and you smack Missouri in the face 
in the first half and you don't make it a game, you know, put up, put up 30, 40 points on them, come out the first quarter, put up 14, 21 points, come out the second half, dominating the run game, dominating the trenches, uh, let our receivers continue to find a way to make big plays. I know we had a few big plays um, this past weekend, but we're still looking for one guy to step up, you know, um, is it Jalen Hyatt? Is, is it Jones? Is it somebody else? I know Warren has stepped up at tight end and he's, you know, been a big difference, but still looking for that wide out to make a big, big, big impact. Running game has been solid. Offensive line has been up and down, but, uh, you know, let's see what we can do, man. I think defensively, uh, we did a great job by uh, playing a high-powered Florida team. I think our linebackers really stepped up and did a great job. I know we can still improve at the pass rush a little bit. But other than that, I think defensive has been saving our butt a lot and are playing a lot better than what we expected them to play going into the season. Offense is just, you know, that's where the mistakes are really made on offense. And it's little things, man, like catching a damn ball. Yes. <laughs> you know, catching a damn ball on an on a easy route, on a little mesh route. If you look the ball in and just concentrate on catching the football, not worrying about scoring the touchdown, you know, that's a that's that's a whole momentum changer of that football game. So we can just work on fixing the, the little mistakes and you know, having good quarterback play, not just consistently good quarterback play, but having a game where we can just play the best we can. I think we can come out and 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 you know crush Missouri like we need to and don't you know just shock the world again just put 30 40 points on them and hey next man let's go next opponent let's go let's play yeah. Maddie what are you what are you seeing for for next week what are you what are you thinking about next week well I was at the game last weekend I saw a lot of good um I also saw some bad uh kind of like what Jabari said we've got to catch the ball I don't know what has happened in the offseason where everybody's hands have gone because they're just not there there's been way too many hit just dead in the hands right between the numbers they're not getting their hands out early enough they're turning too fast they're wanting to run before catching the ball that can't happen especially when you've got your guy beat by 10 20 yards and it, it's just getting old seeing one quarterback can't complete a pass because he's overthrowing a bubble screen. And then you've got another one who he'll play consistent, but you know, it's, you know, 20 yard passes, you got to play the numbers with him. He's kind of, it's almost like we don't have the same playbook. It's not as open or something with Hooker. It's a little more limited. So I'd like to see him try to get some more downfield shots, but is it an accuracy problem with him too, or is it an arm strength problem? I don't know. But if Hooker's ready to roll, I say you still ride with him. I think he gives us the best chance as of right now. And if Milton can get the touchdown, that's that's the guy. But we'll see. Defense looking good um, last week. Let Felipe Franks have a career day. Pretty painful considering he is my least favorite player in all of college football far and away. But 
we we just got it. We got a better get or a better oh, Jones, Emory Jones. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Emory Jones. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Well, like Felipe like 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 was my least favorite. <laughs> or living in the past, <laughs> but we do have to do a better job in the secondary. I'm I can't stand to see it like that. Too many holes back there. Yeah. You know, it made good adjustments. I think Dan Mullen came out this second half and just came out and out coached us, which Florida's a really good second half football team. If you look at the Alabama game and look at other games they had in the past, they will come out that second half and come out with a whole different scheme. And uh, Mullen does a great job of that, I think. You know, he caught us with our backs against the wall on a few plays, a few trick plays, and he coaches to win. So that's what I want to see us do. Um, you know, find ways to finish games and not just make a lot of critical errors in the second half. Playing, you know, from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, playing to win, you know, playing clean football, being disciplined. I think we're not – we're a good football team. We're not a great football team. You know, good, good football teams can't make a lot of silly mistakes and have a lot of penalties and expect to win games. You know, good football teams, you have to score in the red zone. You have to make your field goals. You can't drop passes. You know, great football teams, they can do that. They can make mistakes because they got enough talent and they have an identity already offensively, defensively, and they got playmakers that that's going to step up and that's going to step up on third down situations and make big time plays and you know give your team a short field where you can capitalize and put it in the end zone. So uh you know we got to play good smart clean football in order to win. That's just the type of football team that we have right now. Yeah and I I honestly I expect us to win and and, and like like Jabari said um this is this is the make or break game right now. I feel like because if you don't take down Missouri, um, you know you still have to take business against South Carolina next week, which is another wonderful twelve o'clock kickoff. Um, you know you got Vandy and you got you know you got South Alabama, which are, are three wins that you should have. That means you're going to have to find something somewhere, and it, it's probably going to come in the form of Kentucky. Kentucky's a better team than we are right now. Doesn't mean we can't yeah. beat Kentucky. We can. But um, you know we're we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna beat Bama we're not gonna beat Georgia and Kiffin's gonna put up seventy on us so um, I mean it's it, you know when do we play when do we play Ole Miss uh, I think we play him in two weeks um, the sixteenth yeah I think don't we have um, we got Missouri obviously and then we got Ole Miss or we got yeah Missouri South Carolina and we got Ole Miss so, okay. Um, you know, you got Ole Miss and Bama back to back, and then you get an off week after Bama. Um, to, I guess recover and <laughs> nurse the nurse the uh, <laughs> injuries there, um, and then you got a huge game against Kentucky. And I actually like that bye week before Kentucky because uh, it's going to be a, a big time to prepare for that. But uh, I I think we get by Missouri this week. I, I do think that our defense um, will hold them enough. The key for me is. Will the offense, like we, you know, both of you all said, will the offense be able to step up when it needs to? Um, you know, we're going to see flashes. We saw that against Florida with the pass to Peyton. Um, you know, the big, wonderful screen pass that Heupel drew up to to Evans that got that first score. I mean, that was beautiful. 
Um, yeah. Walkers were out there. I mean, he. And I said on another. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, you're good. On the show last week, I said that uh, those screen passes and those little underneath routes to the backs are going to be open because yep. Florida and a lot of defenses like to play in that nickel. And uh, their linebackers are so far back, you know, and their safeties and their corners are, are you know, playing off. And um, it's an opportunity, you know, for those little underneath routes to be wide open to make a lot of big plays, man. So I want to see us continue to get the backs involved, uh, not just on, on third down situations, but on first down. You know, a key to a good drive is your first down success, not just third down success. So you, a good first down is going to help you get a short field on third down. So, I mean, if we could continue to do that with, with that play calling we had that first half, Missouri's in trouble. Yeah. I agree. Um, so I've, I've got I've, – I'll go Tennessee. Uh, I think Tennessee pulls it out and wins 41 41-34. I think they win by a touchdown. What, what do you all think? What's, what's your score prediction going into Missouri? <laughs> uh, man, I ain't really thought about it. I may – I would love for us to put up at least – Third, I say at least 40 some points. I mean, if we can put up at least 40 some points in this high powered offense, let's see how explosive we are this weekend. I mean, we got the playmakers. We just, you know, they just got to get the ball. Um, I think we're faster at the skill position, especially at the wide receiver spot. And I think we're more explosive at the running back position in Missouri, uh, even though they do have a kid from Knoxville that's on their team that's really, really good. Um, so let's get into it, man. Let's, let's go to the most points that, that we can, and let's see what this Hypo's offense is all about. So if we can get into the 40s and just keep them or, no, you know, no less than, than, than 28, I'm good. That was my exact prediction, 4128. So that's wild. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we we highlighted Jabari earlier as as somebody who does great work in the community. We always like to kind of end before we do our picks with talking about some negativity on Twitter. Uh we do this to have fun, but we also do this to call out people who just need to chill. Um I've renamed this the Vols Picks of the week instead of nega ball. Um, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, gonna highlight one of his, um, and then, um, or actually two of his, one is uh, he was talking about, again, from his sources that he says he has, which, um, you know, Jabari, we've said that his sources are his, are the people that speak in his mind, the voices in his mind, because he says he has direct knowledge, but then he's always asking people questions. Um, so uh, he said that um, players were very mad at Danny White for not hiring Kevin Steele as the head coach, and that's what he heard. And uh, he said there's been a lot of, of lies said and that uh, it's one of the main reasons why a lot of Tennessee players transferred because they didn't hire Kevin Steele. Um, nothing against Kevin Still, but, buddy, people were transferring before there was even a head coach hire. Uh, if you don't remember Vols Picks, we have been, still are under investigation for things 
Um, our complete staff was basically gone. Um, didn't know the direction of the program coming off a three and seven season probably has a little bit to do with the transfer. And another thing he said, um, and I love when he contradicts himself was he, he talked about how he loves Jeremy Pruitt, by the way. Um, he talked about how, um, Heupel has walked into every job with talent and, uh, he's acquired talent. And, uh, he said that any, any good that Heupel does at Tennessee is thanks in part to Jeremy Pruitt's players. Give him three or four years, and when Heupel has to recruit his own players, we will see that he just inherited talent and can't coach without talent. I don't know how he knows that. We have yet to see this guy do anything. And, um, you know, I'm not calling out any of the players, but I've said this before with the transfers. We went three and seven last year. Um, it, it wasn't pretty. Um, the year before was was not pretty to start off with. We had a, a good run at the end. But, um, I mean, you know, you, you can't talk about talent gaps and all this stuff and then talk about, you know, coming in and, and uh, inheriting talent. You can't have both of those things. So, May, who's, who's your – Who's your uh, neck of all the week? That you'll never guess. Yeah, I got him too. Um, so he was going off. He goes off on these tangents. And I mean, they're like, I mean, they're like 20 tweet threads and he's the only person commenting. Like it's, it's insane. So he also loves Hugh Freeze for, I don't know, whatever reason. I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> It's bad. <laughs> so he is saying that if Tennessee would have hired Hugh Freeze, he would have kept all these kids from leaving because he knows how to connect with the players and their families. Meanwhile, Coach Heupel and staff do not. And so then Justin Groves, whoever you are, if you're out there, thank you. He quote tweeted it and said, Hugh Freeze buys prostitutes for his players and recruits. To which Volspeaks responded by saying, the NIL now basically makes everything wide open. It's fair game across the board. <laughs> he just said that he can do that legally now with NLI. Uh, and he also fair said trial. one thing. He talked about how he uh, – somebody said we needed to hire Lane Kiffin and go all out. He said we we don't hire coaches with, with questionable pasts. And, yeah. I'm, you know – I'm not saying Hugh Freeze is innocent, guilty, whatever, even though Hugh Freeze admitted to doing stuff. Like, you can't have one or the other. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that, that you know, I, I like Hugh Freeze. I think he's a heck of a coach. But if you're going to talk about not wanting to have someone, you know, that's had a pass, you know, whatever yeah. it might be, it's – it's uh, it's no, who was that? No, who Vols said that? Sticks. The Vols Vols sticks, guy. It's terrible. Man, I got I got a – I gotta check his stuff out. I haven't. I haven't seen a lot of stuff on him, man. You know that all Twitter is 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 crazy. Uh, I gotta check his stuff out more. Well, don't really be surprised if he's blocked you. You know the fan, yeah. You know the fan police people that try to tell people how to be a fan. Uh, you know, I feel as a former player fans invest so much into this university fans have the right to criticize now you can criticize performance don't criticize uh a a player personally you know what i'm saying 
but you can criticize a performance. Like when you drop a pass, you can light them up. Come on, you know, you can say something, but you ain't got to tag them. You ain't got to get rude and, and get disrespectful and get violent, things like that. But fans do have the right to, you know, be unhappy. You guys invest. I mean, that is your product of, of your investment out there. So you want to see success. And uh, when people get mad and say, be positive, you know, don't get mad. The recruits are watching. Guess what, man? Recruits, you're going to have to learn. When you make play, when, when you know, when you don't do right and you don't make plays or if you get in trouble, that fan base is going to light your ass up. So that's just a part of life, man. People crown you when you're doing well and people, you know, throw low bows at you when you're doing bad. It's just part of sports and just part of life. So those people that get on Twitter and try to, be positive police <laughs> like they just need to cut it out but other than that i haven't gotten into it with anybody on twitter the last time i really got into it with somebody was a couple years ago i had a fan that uh criticized me and a guy that has a really good business um i think his company does a lot of different sponsorships for the radio station. And I was unhappy. It was like 2016, 2017. And, and, you know, and I called the team out, you know, embarrassing performance, blah, blah, blah. You guys, you know, don't, don't put, I have the right to say that I feel, you know, as a former player, whatever I say on Twitter, I would say it to your face. When I was messing up, Al Wilson, uh, Sean Ellis, Travis Stevens, Jamal Lewis, all those guys when they came in town, Leonard Little, Peerless Price, and they saw us playing around, not taking stuff serious, they would light us up in the locker room verbally. You know, we stand on their shoulders. You know, they handed us the baton. And it was just like they were coaches. Yes, sir. I got you, man. You know, I'm sorry, man. We'll get. So it's all about respect of that power T. So when I say something, you know, that's just, you know, and going back to that soft generation that we live in, kids are built different now. So I said something on Twitter about Tennessee that some fan guy, some dude, you should be ashamed of yourself. Turn in your VFL card. <laughs> dude, this, I was like, man, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I can't stand you. You always being negative and this and that and blah, blah, blah. I was like, man, come on now. You don't even know me. Like, you don't even know me for real. You know, I have the right to criticize them when they're not doing well. But don't attack me like you know me telling me to turn in my VFL card, dude. I risked my life for four years on that field. Yeah. You know, could have died on that field. Yeah, good job. Still suffering from bumps and bruises and pains and things like that for risking, you know, winning games, diving over the pile, running people over, whatever I had to do for us to win football games and be a joy of entertainment for you guys. And you got the nerve to tell me turning my VFL card up. Like, so I came, I came this close to, uh, having 
Twitter fingers turn into punching fingers. And, and... <laughs> I would have liked to be there with the camera. No. <laughs> well, um... like, dude, just meet me, meet me on the strip. <laughs> <laughs> well, meet me on the strip at the pilot. <laughs> that that takes us to the end here, where we like to pick. And I know Trey's not here. Um, if if you've got like ten minutes, Jabari, um, if you want to pick the games, I, I would say. Maddie, you might agree with since Trey's not here, we'll let we'll let yeah. Jabari pick for him. And if Trey has a problem right. with it, he can go mess with the the Twitter fingers or the real fighting fingers. Um, but uh, um, where are we standing at right now on the picks, Maddie? Have you got those totaled up from from last week? I know we didn't pick week three, I think it was, because uh, I lost my grandmother and Trey lost his grandmother. Um, it was a, a wild week, but uh, where are we at after week four on our on our records? Okay, so you are now at thirty four and fourteen. I'll take it. Ray <laughs> is going to be at. I'm at also at 28 and 13 still. So, yeah, me and Trey are still tied. So, you all have 28 and I have 34? Mm-hmm. All right. So, Jabari's going to have to help Trey out a little bit, catch catch up with me. All right. So, um, we won't have to go through to save time and really talk about them unless we want to. But we'll start off um, just do the SEC games and, and three top 25 games. And we are uh, ready to wrap things up. So, we'll start off with uh, – Tennessee, Missouri. Um, I've got I've got Tennessee winning it. What do you all think? I know earlier. I got us winning. Yeah, I've got, got us winning. All right. So we've all picked Tennessee. All right. Second game is also hate that this game is a noon kickoff. We've got um, coming out of nowhere, number eight, Arkansas, 4 0 against number two, Georgia. This game is at Georgia. Georgia is 18 and a half point under, or uh, sorry, 18 and a half point favorites. Almost messed that up there. Um, I've got, I've got the the streak ending for Arkansas. Georgia's just too much right now. Uh, I do think it's going to be a little bit closer than 18 and a half, but I, I've got Georgia winning this game at home. Yeah, I got Georgia too. Georgia. Um, I think, I think uh, Arkansas cover though. That it's insane. It's like a, we were talking about last week, Shane Beamer at South Carolina. What, what did George's defense do that was so troubling for you, Coach Beamer? He said, <laughs> you got five stars everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> truth, but, uh, you know. Um, all right, so the next game, 3.30 CBS game. We've got uh, undefeated Ole Miss, ranked 12th, headed to Alabama, uh, 4-0. Alabama is currently a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Um 
Kiffin is, is there's going to be a lot about the Kiffin, you know, going back to Bama. Uh, Bama got, I think Bama wins by uh, more. I think they definitely cover in this game. I think, I think Saban's ticked off now about the Florida game. So I got, I got Bama. I'm a Lane Kiffin fan. Uh, so I'm, I'm going for the upset, man. Oh, me too. I, I love Kiffin. But I, I just don't I'm going for the upset. Yeah, I'm a Kiffin fan. All right. All right. I, I'm going Bama too. I just I don't think Saban's streak of beating all of his formers ends. Well, there was a time where we thought it might be Jeremy Pruitt, but it maybe it, it, it did not happen. It definitely was not. It definitely was not. All right. Um, in the next game, game of the week in the SEC. Uh, just kidding. That comes a little bit later. Um, so we got Troy going to South Carolina. Uh, both teams are two and two. South Carolina is a six and a half point favorite. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with South Carolina. Um, but I'm going to say it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be about a touchdown. I think. I'm going to go South Carolina. I think Troy does have a really good football team. And the thing about picking games now, man, the transport portal has made it. It's hard to go against some of these FCF schools and some of these, uh, you know, some of these mid-major schools because they have four or five-star players on the teams now, you know. So Vanderbilt learned that. Florida State has learned that. <laughs> and a lot of other teams have learned that. So when you're picking games now, you actually got to look and see how many kids they have on the transfer that, that, that they have from the transfer portal that are coming from top 10 programs. You know, and that can be a huge difference in that game. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next game, we've got um, Florida headed to Kentucky. Florida is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a six o'clock kickoff. Florida's obviously lost to Bama. Kentucky is currently 4-0. Um, I've got Florida in this one. I don't think Kentucky has much of a chance. Yeah, Florida. I'm going Gators. The Gator killer going with Gators. Uh-oh. Um, all right. Um Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Uh, it's at Texas A&M. They're seven-point favorites. I've got, I've got Texas A&M. Mississippi State is just not good. Agree. A&M. All right. Uh, here's the game of the week. Um, UConn and Vanderbilt. Probably Vanderbilt's last win of the yeah. year um, against 0-5 UConn. I've got Vanderbilt. Um, it's not going to be pretty, but i got Vandy. Yeah, I think I'll take Vandy, too. UConn is just the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. UConn with the upset, baby. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. All right. Last SEC game, we got Auburn headed to LSU. It's a 9 o'clock kickoff down in the bayou. LSU is three-and-a-half-point favorites right now. Um, LSU is a tough place to – play at but I don't I'm gonna go I'm gonna think the crowd plays a little bit of a difference Auburn surprised me against Penn State I'm gonna go LSU at home 
by a field goal? Uh, I'm going to say Bo Nix actually goes back to how he played against Oregon his freshman year and he gets it done on the road. All right. Uh, that's a good one, man. Uh, um, I think Auburn, Auburn may have a shot down there. I think if they win, if, if Auburn can pull this off, that be, I mean, that may be enough to get Big Ed O on the, on the official hot seat and, and get him on his way out of there. So I'm going to go with Auburn. All right. And our, our three top 25 games, our first one, uh, two top 10 games, the 230 NBC game. Very weird, but we remember it is Notre Dame. Um, that's where they play. Uh, so we've got seventh-ranked Cincinnati uh, headed to number nine, Notre Dame. Right now, Cincinnati is a two-point favorite. Um, I'm going to make Maddie happy. Um, I cannot pick Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame. Um, I'm going to yeah. go with I'm going to go with Cincinnati by uh, ten. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins by ten. Same. That's exactly what I was thinking. Give me Cincinnati by ten. Cincinnati by ten. Yeah. All right. Uh, last two, we've got uh, Baylor versus uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, Baylor's undefeated, so is Oklahoma State, 21 against 19. It is at Oklahoma State. It is a nighttime 7 p.m. kickoff. Oklahoma State is three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I think Baylor goes in. I think Baylor takes care of business, and I think Baylor, I think Baylor wins on the road. Mm, give me Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State. All right. Oklahoma State, because they got two uh they have two football players that uh attended one of my camps from back in the day on the team. Are y'all familiar with Knoxville, like high school football, Knox County? Yeah, a little bit. I'm on I'm on the border. Yeah. The Harper, uh the Harper brothers, they played at Carnes a couple years ago. Um, one is starting linebacker, and the other one plays cornerback. So they play for Oklahoma State. So that's my connection to that program. So I'm going with them. All right. Our last game of the week, we've got um, Indiana um, headed to number four, Penn State. Penn State is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I've got Penn State in this one. Yeah, Penn State by a lot. Go Penn State as well. All right. Uh, well, that concludes our pick'em. Concludes our podcast. Uh, Jabari, thanks so much. I mean, I appreciate it. Um, when I say I, I, you know, idolize you watching you. I mean, it, that was watching the games, being the Iceman, Clawson, running around in my seven jersey, and then uh, we'd always go in the backyard, me and my cousins, and we'd always get the ball to the. How old were you back then? Let's. Uh, let's see. I would have been, I would have been about, I would have been about 10, 11 during that time. 10, so um, we always played football in the backyard with some different people. And yeah. um, my cousin, we were talking about it. I always loved to, I'd run like for a touchdown. I'd stop at the one yard line, wouldn't <laughs> score just so they could hand me off the ball. And I could pretend that I'm jumping over a pile <laughs> of people. Um, and, awesome. you, know, you always got the, you know, the, 
there was always shooting in the trash can, the Kobe or, you know, the Marshawn Lynch where, you know, he would, he would grab and jump up like that. And I would, we would always just jump into like trees or, or trampolines or pillows. And it was always called, you know, we're going to do the Jabari. We're just going to, we're going to jump over that pile. Um, so uh, it was an honor for me uh, to be able to talk to you. And, and I know, uh, you know, Maddie was, was super excited. Um, so uh, thank you for coming Maddie. on. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Maddie, how old are you? I'm 24. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so you. So I've seen all the YouTube you, videos. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get a chance to experience the yeah, uh, 2001 season, I wish. 2002, 2003. Yeah, but yeah, you can watch all the good YouTube videos and, and just. Oh, I do. Just reminisce on all the good days. And go go tonight and watch that. Watch the it's on YouTube, the full Arkansas game, 2002. Um yep. well, you might be able to finish it in time for the podcast next week. I don't know. Um and, and go go party down on the strip or or what used to be the strip. But uh anyways, thanks so much again. Uh we uh we hope we're back next week in the wind column and we can be a little more positive about the previous game. Um but go balls. And uh, thanks so much, guys.